Hey, good morning. It's Pastor Paul from Lee Hall Baptist Church in Newport News, Virginia. Uh, I just want to come at you again this week with another message. Uh, I hope that this is glorifying God. Uh, so let's go ahead and get started. Let's pray. Father, I, I just ask you to bless this, what we're trying to do. I ask you to bless this message. I ask you to bless the people hearing it. I pray that your Holy Spirit would move and they'd receive your word, and that they'd follow what it says. And Father, I pray not just for a blessing for them, but also for me. I need your word as much as anybody. So Lord, just bless what we're trying to do here and help us to do it well. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, it can be really difficult. It can be hard uh, to produce a good sermon right after Resurrection Sunday. But after listening to Pastor Rick Warren's Easter sermon, I was motivated to share what Pastor Rick had termed as lessons that can be learned from the resurrection when life falls apart. So that being said, uh, I'd like to just get right at it with you. Uh, you know, there, there are some examples that Jesus gave us concerning the events leading up to the resurrection. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about it or not, but... Um, you know, the second greatest miracle of Easter besides the resurrection was the sudden change in the hearts and attitudes of the disciples, now, those guys that followed Jesus. You know, picture this. You're one of Jesus' disciples that day. And how might you be feeling? The Bible says this in John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. You know, in a sense, they're isolated. They're, they're intimidated. They're scared. And it kind of feels like what we're going through today, doesn't it? And then the Bible says, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands Inside, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Did you get that? The Bible says the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. You know, that, that's an immediate and radical change in the disciples. They've gone from being locked down, hunkered down, scared, and shh, don't make a sound, to, whoo, Jesus is here, man. Let's rock, right? So, so it's an immediate change, you know. And, and you know, when Jesus was crucified, they felt dejected. They they felt defeated, uh, demoralized, maybe depressed, and, and and they were dreading the future. But now, because they've seen Jesus, they're delighted and defiant. They're ready to take on the world. Why? Because they're excited. They're they're encouraged because they had seen Jesus. In just 72 hours, they've gone from lost and cowardly to being courageous, from being weak and hopeless to hopeful and glad. And Christianity spread through the whole world. Why such a dramatic change? Because they've seen Jesus come back from the dead. Now you know Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection happened over a period of three days. And those three, day, those three days can be broken down this way. Friday could be referred to as the day of fear 
and pain. Saturday could be referred to as the day of confusion and grief. The day that everything fell apart. And Sunday, thank God for Sunday. Sunday can be referred to as the day of freedom and joy. And the truth is, we're all going to face these three days repeatedly in our lifetimes. And, and so we need to ask ourselves three questions. Number one, what do I do in the days of fear and pain? Number two, how do I get through the days of confusion and grief? And number three, how do I get to the days of freedom and joy? I believe the answers can all be found in the resurrection of Jesus. You know, so what do you do in the day of fear and pain? Some people, many people are in the day of fear and pain right now. So what do we do in the day of fear and pain? We do the two things that Jesus did. Number one, we reach out to our friends. That's what Jesus did. He, he drew close to his friends. You know, before Jesus was betrayed and arrested and tortured, the very last thing he did was to spend some intimate time with his friends. First, they're in the upper room celebrating the Passover, and then knowing the pain that he was about to face, he took his friends to his favorite place to pray. Matthew 26, starting with verse 36, says this. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. You know, we can learn two things from Jesus' actions in these scriptures. One, we can learn that even Jesus needed the presence of his friends when going through fear and pain. And if Jesus needed the presence of friends, so do you and I. It's a mistake for you to try to handle pain alone. You know, even right now, we may be isolated in our homes. We, we may be practicing the social distancing thing. But we have phones. We have computers. We have other technology to reach out to one another. And number two, Jesus was very honest and open about the pain he was going through. That's right, guys. It's okay to admit what you're going through. Jesus said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Now, if Jesus needed to be that open, if, if he needed friends and if he needed to admit what he was feeling, then you and I need to be willing to share what we're going through as well. It's a mistake not to share the emotions that you're going through. Emotions are meant to be felt. Feelings are just that. They're feelings. You don't repress them. You, you don't suppress them. Instead, you express them and you confess them. 
when we find ourselves going through such things, we all need to be able to turn to someone and be honest about what we're feeling. Matter of fact, Galatians 6.2 says to carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Now what is the law of Christ? You remember the Pharisees come to Jesus going, Teacher, which law is the most important, right? Remember Jesus said to love God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second, the second is just like it. To love your neighbor as yourself. That's the law of Christ. You know, times of crisis can bring out the good in some people. And it can bring out the bad in others. The first thing you need to do in a time of need is to reach out to friends. But the second thing you need to do is to reach out to God. Now, how do you do that? Well, you pray. What do you pray? Well, right here it is in Scripture. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible... The hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. You see, Jesus knows he's going to be facing the ultimate in physical pain, emotional pain, mental pain, and spiritual pain. He knows that physically he's going to be beaten, Wounded, tortured, kept from sleep, whipped with 39 lashes, put a crown of thorns on his head, nailed to a cross. He's going to face the ultimate in physical pain. Mentally and emotionally, he knows he's going to suffer humiliation, rejection, shame, disgrace, and betrayal. Spiritually, He's going to carry the guilt of every ugly crime and every single sin ever committed in history. He's going to pay for it all. He's going to take the guilt of every murder, every rapist, every molester, every torture. Think about that. Jesus is going to take all the guilt, not just my guilt, not just your guilt, but the guilt of everyone who has ever lived past, present, and future. And on top of that, he's going to experience the hell of being separated from the Father God. That's why on the cross he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? On this Friday, when Jesus prayed in the day of fear and pain, we're given a lesson on, on how we're supposed to pray when we go through fear and pain. You see, first, Jesus affirmed God's power. He said, Father, I know you can do anything. So when we're going through, when you and me are going through this tough time, we need to be able to say, God, I know you can fix this. I know you can do anything. I know you can turn it around. And second, we need to be able to express our desires to God. He already knows them anyway. It's okay to say, God, I don't want to do this. God, I don't want this pain. Jesus said it. Jesus said, if it's possible, 
I don't want to go through this. But number three, you offer your trust. You say, nevertheless, I want your will, not mine. I want whatever you think is best, God. That's the Gethsemane prayer. That's the prayer you pray and I pray on the day of fear and pain. Hebrews 2.18 says, Since Jesus went through suffering and temptation, he knows what it is like when we suffer and are tempted, and he is able to help us. You know, after Jesus is done praying, the soldiers arrive and they arrest him. And after a mock trial, they crucify him. What did the disciples do? You remember? They ran away. They were all cowards and fled the scene. Every one of them lost their faith and their hope on the day that Jesus was crucified. Except for one. One state. You remember John? John was actually at the foot of the cross with Jesus, Mother Mary. Matthew 26, 56 says, Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. And truthfully, all the disciples ran away. However, during the crucifixion, John was there. And that's when Jesus looks down and says, Woman, this is now your son. After Jesus died, he was taken down from the cross and he was buried. That leads us to the next day, Saturday. Saturday could represent the day of confusion and grief. And you and I will have many days like this also. We're going to occasionally have days filled with pain and fear, and we're also going to occasionally have days filled with confusion and grief as well. Right now, many of us are facing uncertainty due to the coronavirus. Many, many of us are facing economic loss, loss of life, loss of privileges, loss of freedom. Right now, our future is uncertain. How long is this thing going to go on? Or is this the new normal? And all of this can definitely cause confusion and grief. You know, imagine the full range of emotions that the disciples must have felt as their leader, their Messiah, their teachers arrested, beaten, crucified, and put into the grave. They no longer knew what to do or what their future would hold. They had profound grief. They experienced profound loss, and, and this is certainly not what they'd expected to happen. They began to be filled with doubt and regret and confusion. What were they supposed to do now? Do you know that Jesus had warned them that all this was going to happen? Verse 31 says, Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me. And Jesus warned them at the cross that their neat little world was going to fall apart. Mark 14, 27 says, You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd." and the sheep will be scattered. And that's exactly what happened. 
Matthew 26, 56 says, Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Have you ever deserted God out of confusion? Have you ever deserted God out of doubt? Have you ever deserted God out of pain? Have you ever deserted God out of grief? How do you get through the days of confusion and grief? You do it by remembering the promises of God. Friday, I need to reach out to others and reach out to God. Saturday, I need to remember the promises of God. You know, right before Jesus was executed, he gave them a promise. John 16, 16 says, Jesus went on to say, In a little while you will see me no more. And then after a little while you will see me. And in verses 20 through 22, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. And so with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. The truth is that everybody goes through tough times, but when we do, we need to know what to do. We need to immerse ourselves in the promises of God. Did you know that there are 7,000 promises of God in the Bible? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20, For all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus Christ. In dark and confusing times, we need to hang on to what we know is true. So what do we know is true? We know that God sees everything we go through. We know that God cares about everything we go through. We know God loves us. We know God grieves with us and wants the best for us. And we know that God specializes in bringing good out of bad situations. What happens when we don't remember the promises? We worry. That's when we fall apart. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 2 through 3 says, When you go through deep waters and great trouble, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord, your God and Savior. God knew that we needed a Savior, and so God sent us one. Isaiah 61.3 says, God promises to all who mourn, I will restore beauty for ashes, joy instead of mourning, and praise instead of despair. Jesus told the disciples many times that he would be back, but the disciples in their grief had forgotten his promises. If you hold on to the promises of God, you're inevitably going to make it to the third day, and that's Sunday. Friday, 
the day of fear and pain. Saturday, the day of confusion and grief. And Sunday, the day of freedom and joy. When Jesus rose from the dead and then just kind of walks around for 40 days, how would you have liked to have been one of those who, who was there and, and, and go, he's back. There was an explosion of joy. Jesus says, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And then later he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So how do we get to the third day? We need to rely on the power of Jesus. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is also available to you and me. We need to learn how to rely on the power of Jesus. We can't do this alone. By the way, we were never meant to do this alone. It takes more than willpower. It takes more than self-discipline. Only God's power can get you through, and only God's power can make the change. You can't resurrect yourself. Only God can do that. We have to remember to reach out for the presence of Jesus. We have to remember the promises of Jesus. We have to remember to rely on the power of Jesus. In John chapter 11, verses 25 through 26, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even though they die, will live again. I give them eternal life for believing in me, and they will never perish. You know, the Apostle Paul understood the power of Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 through 20, the Apostle Paul says, I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who believe in him. It is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. There's life-changing power found in God's Word. There's a life-changing prayer found in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. The Scripture says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. God loves you. God wants you to pay attention to his promises. May God bless you and your family as you draw closer to him. Amen.